is JudoCast. We go to the mat and beyond with some of the most prominent minds in judo. Please welcome your host, a two-time Pan American champion, entrepreneur, and judo enthusiast, Chuck Jefferson. This weekend, Joshiro Moriyama and Hifume Abe face each other in a winner-takes-all match that would determine the 2021 Olympian for the men's 66-kilogram division. These men put on a show that's going to be remembered for a long time to come. The epic battle took place on the main floor of the Kodokan in Tokyo, Japan, in front of a small crowd of coaches and media members. The match that seems to be the longest match from any memory clocked in at 24 minutes of total fight time. This match was a huge success for the Japanese Judo Federation and for Judo as a whole. This match was a showcase for the sport of Judo that was enjoyed by millions of viewers around the world. The grand prize was a ticket to represent Team Japan in the 32nd Olympiad to be held next summer in Tokyo 2021. For the first time since 1964, Judo is going to be returning to its Olympic birthplace, the Nippon Budokan. And this weekend, Hifume Abe, who the Japan Times is calling the Marathon Man, sealed his spot on the most coveted Olympic team on the planet. When you qualify to represent the Olympic team for Japan, you are a contender for an Olympic medal. As of this weekend, the Japanese team is complete. And today on JudoCast, we're going to discuss the Abe Moriyama super fight and everything surrounding it. All I can say is, wow. Um, I know a lot of us have been waiting for the last several weeks for this match and the anticipation and the buildup to this match was something that I don't think we've seen in our community. I don't think there could have been a better way to finish up what has been a very challenging year for our sport, to say the least. The energy and the excitement for this event tells us a lot of things. One is that we have a great community of judo players around the world and fans that really have an appetite for this type of promotion. And it's important that we look at this weekend's event and see how we can learn from how things went and what the Japanese did right. I have to say that the Japanese Judo Federation did an absolutely wonderful job with this event. They have shown the world that they can be progressive while not swaying too far from their traditional roots. They brought in lights to the Kodokan, lots of cameras. They even changed the color of the mats for this one event, for this one match. And I believe for the first time, we saw a competition at the Kodokan where one of the players was wearing a blue judo gi. Of course, it's easy to point out some of the things that I think they could have done better. I think that that's always easy to do from the comfort of our own homes. I think that we were all wishing this weekend that we could understand the Japanese language. You know, being able to take part and understand some of the interviews would have been fabulous. I think it could have been a big improvement if they allowed some... English commentary or, or maybe some French commentary or Russian for that matter. So some of the fans from around the world could have felt a little bit more connection to the event. I'm not saying what they did was bad. In fact, I think the event was amazing. The production setup was on point, um, nothing too extravagant, but they attempted to dramatize the event without going overboard. It came across in my opinion, to be very genuine, and it was a model representation of our sport. I do think it's possible the Japanese may have underestimated the interest in this event from the international community, and I hope that people are paying close attention because this event showed us that there is some real opportunity here. We've always had interesting matchups in the world of judo, but up until this event, there's never really been a big promotion 
of a specific matchup that generates large interest. At best, we say things like, I hope we can see Sagi Muki and Syed Molie fight at the next tournament. These are dream matchups that are never really guaranteed. But maybe that needs to change. I think that the IJF Tour is so competitive oftentimes that the matchups that we're expecting or the matchups that we hope to see, oftentimes they don't happen. This weekend, we learned that the judo world has a huge appetite for this format. And the super fight is no real secret. The format of a super fight has been the way to go for promotions for other combat sports since the beginning of time. Boxing and MMA, and now other sports are creating these special events. These events create drama that draws people in and results in action. And I think it's imperative that the IGF starts to look into this format to start building the superstars of our sport. These events are going to create buzz around the stars of our sport. Do you think Dana White and the UFC would have success with an advertising campaign that said, here's a list of all these amazing fighters and we've got an event coming up. We just don't know who's going to fight each other. Another example, albeit not a real sport, is the WWE. I remember seeing an interview with the CEO, Vince McMahon, in reference to growing his organization in the 80s. He said that the advantage that he had over other sports was that he knew Hulk Hogan would always be his champion, that he could build all his other events around that. And as kids, we knew wrestling was fake, but the drama reeled us in and it kept our interest. Super fights for judo, I think, could move us in that direction, helping with brand building and everything that leads to the world and Olympic titles. The only difference is that our sport and the events surrounding our sport will start to help facilitate and foster the development of athletes that will become superstars, as well as the brand ambassadors for the sport of judo. So let's talk a little bit more about the specifics for this event. There were so many good things that made this event special, but the high stakes are what really separates this event from other events around the world. So why did this event happen? The Japanese Judo Federation is tasked with fielding a team that has the best odds of Olympic gold next summer. And in 13 categories, the IJF circuit pretty much gave the Federation everything it needed to determine the Olympian for all the other categories. But Moriyama and Abe are extremely equal in many ways, both extremely dominant internationally. Abe was the 2017 world champion and the 2018 world champion. Moriyama was the 2019 world champion. They each had two wins against each other on the IJF circuit. So on paper, their stats combined with the highlight reels that these two have put together in recent years against the international competition has made this one of the most anticipated matchups the judo world has seen in some time. And let me tell you, it was a great moment for judo. The number of television viewers on Japanese TV hasn't been reported yet, but we'll be tracking that as soon as it's available. We were tracking the live feed on YouTube pretty closely throughout the match. So the YouTube numbers turned out to be quite impressive. And to be honest, I think this is super promising for the future of judo. When I first logged on to the YouTube link, there were about 5,000 people that were online waiting for the event to begin. I think this caused a little bit of confusion, and I think that they lost quite a few viewers from around the world. There was a little bit of confusion with the start time, at least for the non-Japanese-speaking world. In California, we were expecting a start time of about 10 p.m., but the match didn't really happen for another hour and a half. The other issue was possibly a glitch in the upload preferences. Most people around the world were told that it wasn't available in their country. So a lot of people 
were trying to find alternatives like downloading a VPN, but luckily they actually fixed this problem by the time the event started and everyone was able to log on. So unfortunately, I think that delay probably cost them thousands of viewers. So as the match began, the number of viewers from the live feed started out around 60,000 people and it continued to rise to a little bit over 100,000. And then at some point in the first part of the golden score, the viewers started to spike. And that spike went from 105,000 all the way to 374,000 within just a few minutes. Without the confusion that I mentioned earlier, I think that number could have been a lot bigger. And after the event concluded, we actually found out what caused that spike. Unfortunately, there was an issue with Tokyo TV and the time slot. They weren't expecting the match to go so long. They ended up cutting the show and sending people to the live feed on YouTube. Sounds crazy, right? I, I was quite surprised when I heard that as well. So the original stream that's no longer available had a little over 1.1 million total viewers. And the replay that they have uploaded is now playing and is closing in on about 200,000 additional views. And that number is going to continue to rise because as of this recording, the match was less than 24 hours ago. So I'm going to have to assume that this fight has got to be one of the most viewed judo matches in the history of live streaming for judo. So let's get into the match. We've always had matchups that we look forward to, but we're rarely seeing an event where we know it's actually going to happen and the stakes don't really get any higher. Many of us have taken part in Olympic races or Olympic trials with similar pressures, but the lead up for weeks, actually months, knowing that there's really only one person that stands between you and the Olympics has to be mentally draining for these athletes. These guys have been thinking about each other every waking hour for months. The Olympic race in general requires this singular focus like no other, thinking of your competition, your training, your conditioning. But this matchup is different. Even when you have big matchups or rivals that you're thinking of running into at an event, you can't usually afford to have all that focus on just one person. You know, the world of judo is just too competitive. Even when there's two top dogs that anticipate fighting each other in the final. They have to get through all kinds of competition in a normal tournament before the possibility of the so-called rival match that can even take place. So that's what made this match fun. We, the fans, knew exactly what was going on. We knew who was going to fight, and we bought in. We followed the story. We were excited to take part in this historical matchup, even if we were just there as fans. Now, going into the Olympics next summer, there's a lot of variables. We can only speculate who's going to fight out of their pools and wonder which players or which unseated athletes are going to have the day of their lives. There's always one. There's always that unseated player that disrupts the flow of the predicted winners. But with Abe and Moriyama, this was an unprecedented winner-takes-all match, not a best-of-three. It was one fight. And as I mentioned earlier, this match was one of the most anticipated matchups the judo world's seen in some time. This matchup had more hype than I can ever remember seeing in my lifetime. The rivalry and the buildup of this match was absolute gold for the sport of judo worldwide. So there obviously hasn't been a lot of big tournaments, and neither Abe or Moriyama has had any major events for some time. Abe's last major fight was in February when he won the Dusseldorf Grand Slam. Moriyama hasn't had a major event in over a year. His last fight was on the circuit in November of 2019, where he lost to Abe in the final of the Tokyo Grand Slam. So... As fans of judo, I think we were all hoping to see an exciting match this weekend, and in my opinion, these guys delivered. 
they delivered in a big way. It was an unbelievable showcase of will, determination, and focus by both fighters for what turned out to be a match that went 20 minutes into the golden score. These guys fought like absolute warriors for 24 minutes, and that was the actual fight time. The epic battle actually went on for 36 total minutes from the time of the first bow, and that included the stop time and a couple of short breaks to stop a bleeding finger. But this was the match that people are going to remember for a long time to come. The intensity of the situation happened the second the cameras approached the closed warm-up room door. The announcer was whispering, which only heightened the intensity of the moment as they waited for the doors to open. Unlike MMA or boxing, where fighters come out to loud music and roaring crowds from different sides of the arena, these guys came out of the warm-up room and they were just standing there side by side in the hallway of the Kodokan, a hallway that I've walked through many times in my life. A quick judogi check, and then they were headed up the stairs into the main dojo of the Kodokan on the seventh floor. As we've seen with many sporting events in 2020, all the drama of an important match with none of the noise of your typical sporting event. There were people there at the Kodokan, and I assumed mostly just coaches and media. I think the atmosphere was about what we had expected for a COVID event. The lack of spectator noise and reaction in some ways intensifies the feeling, even from a spectator's standpoint, from sitting in the comfort of your own home. The immense pressure that a big crowd could cause was replaced with the sounds of judo, the sounds of feet sliding on the mat, the sounds of fingers popping off a grip, the grunt of a huge effort, all of the sounds that make it feel so real no matter where you were watching from. They added some lights and they did the best they could to dramatize the event and I think it was pretty perfect to be honest. It wasn't over the top, but they made a great effort to magnify the event and it was a huge success. I can always remember my coaches in my career telling me to leave it out on the mat. And that's exactly what these guys did. They both fought their hearts out. These guys both had an amazing strategy and they were both, for obvious reasons, being extremely careful. And for Moriyama, I think he was a little bit too careful. Maybe a little bit too careful and maybe a little bit too relaxed. But Abe seemed to have a little bit more spice in his step. He was aggressive with the attacks, even when they weren't a good attacks, and Mariyama seemed to struggle to get any attacks off. Abe was pushing him around the mat quite a bit, and in my opinion, Abe controlled the pace of the match during most of the fight. The hand fighting and the grip tactics were high level, and I think most people will need to slow things down to really understand what was going on in a lot of these situations. Mariyama was slightly behind with the grips, and he just wasn't able to lock on. And he was having trouble getting a hold of Abe's left sleeve. And that's where he needed to be. Clearly, this was something that Abe had prepared for. You know, there was a moment towards the end of the fight where Mariam was starting to show a little bit of frustration. He started sticking his right hand out, kind of inviting Abe to grab it in hopes to, you know, re-grab over the wrist. But Abe wasn't going to get sucked into that game. Knowing that once Mariyama locks on with two hands, including a strong sleeve, the Uchimata is going to be blasting off. And Abe used his grips, which were super fast, to pretty much nullify any possibility of Mariyama hitting his signature Uchimata. I was a little concerned about the penalties when Mariyama took his second Shido pretty early. And I don't think the world wanted to see this match end with penalties. And as crazy as it sounds, I think the Japanese referees felt the same way. 
as hard as these guys fought, I think there would have been a few more penalties if this had taken place on the IGF tour. With that being said, I think most of us are very happy that they let these guys fight. Mariama received his second Shido just two minutes into the golden score, and somehow he avoided a third penalty for the next 18 minutes. The stakes were obviously high, and in this match, that dictated the precision and calculated low-risk attacks that was done by Abe throughout the match. The pace of his hands and his movement in general proved to be the difference in this fight. Mariama really struggled to get off any good attacks. As fans, we knew the stakes were high, and when there's only one match that becomes the determining factor, the margin for error is very thin, and these guys knew it. So 20 minutes into Golden Score, Abe hits the feet, attacks an Ochigari, and Mariyama takes the biggest risk of the night trying to counter him to the back. He lands on his shoulder, and the referee calls Wazadi and immediately calls for a replay, which they didn't show us on the live feed. They quickly confirmed the call on the mat and awarded the win to Abe. I think everyone would have wanted a more decisive victory by one of these guys, but the way it played out was much better than it could have been. If the referees were using strict IJF rules, this match would have been decided by penalties, something that nobody wanted to see. Was the score super clear? Not really. At first glance, I didn't think it was a score. I'll let the internet warriors argue online of whether he really hit his back or was there control or did Abe have control. There was lots of factors, but this match ended up to be a win for Abe and a win for the fans and a huge win for the sport of judo. And I think there's something the IJF and all the national governing bodies around the world can learn from this event. In somewhat typical Japanese fashion, there was very little emotion shown by either player while they were on the mat. As Abe was awarded the win, they bowed to each other, bowed to Joseki, and then they walk off the mat. As Abe walks off, the emotions begin to flow. And I'm sure he felt this huge release of pent-up stress from a lifetime of dreaming and preparation. As much as the Japanese fighters are known for hiding their feelings and not showing emotions, moments like this are what sports are all about. His cries of joy knowing that next summer he'll be there with his sister representing the Japanese national team at the Olympics. Something that they've prepared for their whole lives. Abe and Mariyama are true warriors that demonstrated a level of focus that is absolutely unthinkable to most athletes. Not many people can stay in a fight in a judo match for 24 minutes before they make the first mistake. As judoka, we know it's the game we play. You know, one mistake will often end our chances. For most people, a mistake is going to end our match or maybe end our day. But this mistake ended a dream for Mariyama and it cemented a dream for Abe. And let's face it, this is the story that the Japanese media wanted to happen. The brother-sister duo will play a huge role in boosting the popularity of judo in Japan, which has struggled with membership in recent years. The Abes have a chance to bring some much-needed attention to the sport of judo next summer. I think the only time that combat sports has ever seen a double gold medal performance from a family was in 1984, when the Schultz brothers Dave and Mark both captured Olympic titles at the Los Angeles Games. Japan has seen some family success before. In the 1990s, the Nakamura family was extremely dominant. In fact, they have a combined seven world and Olympic medals between the three boys. In 1996, they came extremely close to a double gold when Kenzo Nakamura captured the Olympic title for 73 kilos, and his older brother Yuki Masa captured a silver medal after a devastating loss to the German superstar Udo Kwamatz. 
So the one thing that we do know is that for Japan, the stage is set and there are some amazing stories leading into Tokyo 2021. This weekend's super fight showed the world is hungry for big judo and many people are going to be a lot more motivated, more motivated than ever as we try to get past the COVID world that we've been living in. I have so many thoughts after this weekend's matchup. There are so many moving parts. The conversation is now all about Olympic gold for Abe next summer. The bracket sheet next summer in Tokyo is going to be full of capable, strong fighters, but that bracket sheet will only have one fighter that has ever booked a win over Abe. And that came from world number one, Manuel Lombardo of Italy. And I assure you that Lombardo was watching this weekend's match like a hawk. And I assure you now that he has secured his position with a win over Mariyama, Abe will now be thinking of Lombardo. So where does this leave Mariyama? You think he's going to retire? At 27 years old, he's on the older side, especially by Japanese standards. But remember, it's not a four-year cycle this time. He is really only about three years away from a 2024 qualification. And having the last two fights of your competitive career end with losses to your rival, it's something that I can completely understand. And my guess is that we haven't seen the end of Mariyama. And I hope that's the case. He is world-class judo, and I think the world wants to see more. For Abe at 23 years old, I think he's more than likely going to stick around to see what happens in Paris 2024. But in Japan, there's always somebody knocking at the doorsteps. I see more super fights in the future. Overall, the matchup was all we expected and more. You know, we had two great athletes that knew each other like the back of their hand, but judo always throws curveballs. Do you think either one of these guys really anticipated a 24-minute fight? And their conditioning was off the charts. These guys put on a show that we will never forget. So what's next? Um, we know we've got a fight coming up with Clem Kate and Deguchi to decide the Olympian for Canada in the 57 kilogram division. This one's going to be a little bit different than what we had this weekend. It's going to be a two out of three. And I know there's been a lot of discussion on what's best. You know, should it be a two out of three? I think most athletes think that that's the safer way. But from a marketing and promotion standpoint, the one match winner takes all style just proved to be what fans are looking for. But nonetheless, the 57 kilogram story in Canada is a great story. And the exciting part is coming up real soon. As I mentioned in a previous episode, there's lots of races happening around the world for the Olympic spots. I've spoken at length with Vlad Marinescu, who heads up the IJF marketing team. And I think that the IJF needs to get more involved in the national races that are going on around the world. These stories are what the general public wants to see. They involve dreams with passion, determination, and a lifetime of work. And we should be showcasing all of these races. Just look at France. You know, who's going to represent France at 52 kilos? Boakley, Clement. How about 70 kilograms? Gaihe, Pinois. The French also have three athletes in the top 10 at 78 kilos. We also talked about the Russians at 60 kilograms. The Mongolians and the Israelis at 66. Georgia and Russia at 81. And there's others. There are stories out there that we want to follow. And I think the biggest thing that we learned this weekend is that judo can be a much better spectator sport than it has been in the past. We may need to make some slight adjustments on the way we referee and the way we introduce some additional events with different formats, a new format that can create superstars on an international level. I want to extend a huge congratulations to Hifumi Abe on his Olympic birth, and I want to let Joshiro Mariyama know that he played his part. He fought like a champion. 
Both of these men showcased our sport in amazing fashion. They fought matches that they can be proud of. And both of these guys left it on the mat like champions do. Thank you for listening to JudoCast. Please remember to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. For show notes and additional content, visit judocast.com. That's J-U-D-O-Cast.com.